0: Our passage this morning comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, uh, chapter 6, verses 43 through 49. Uh, Just so we have the full context, this is part of a larger sermon. Uh, I will read uh, from Luke 6, verse 20 through 49. But before I do so, let's go to the Lord in prayer that he would bless the reading and preaching of his word. Our Father and our God, we come before you again this morning. We come in the name of Jesus Christ, and as we sit at the feet of the evangelist Luke, we ask that you would give us the same spirit you gave him, that we would indeed be infallibly taught by these words, that we would be conformed to the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we would bear fruit, uh, the fruit of those that have repented of the world, that have clung to Jesus Christ in faith, and in obedience to you, live in love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy word from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 6, verses 20 through 49. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil, for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thanks have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thanks have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And he spoke a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but every one that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thy eye, when thou, thyself, beholdest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth the corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. And why call me, ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me, and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house, and dug deep, and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, and could not shake it, for it is founded upon a rock. But he that heareth, and doeth not, is like a man that, without a foundation, built a house upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord abides forever, and his people said, Amen. Here we come to uh, the end of the sermon on the plain, or or that level place. Uh, The sermon that for Luke is given... To show somewhat of the uh, example of the Lord's preaching, the gist of it, the, the program that he had for his disciples, his preparation for them already by this time, uh, there was opposition arising uh, to the ministry of Jesus Christ. There were gathered a larger body of disciples than just the, the twelve that would become the apostles. Uh, we saw earlier in this very chapter that he has gone up the mountain, that he had prayed all the night, that he began the morning by calling the twelve to himself and appointing them as apostles to begin their training as apostles. And then he goes down to this level place and he meets the greater company of disciples as well as a multitude. And so he gives them this uh, sermon about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And it begins with uh, the blessings pronounced. They were poor and not rich. Uh, They hungered and thirsted, a great many of them. And they were persecuted by uh, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. And so he pronounces them despite that, that their blessings were that they were... Uh, they had the kingdom of God, that they would be filled, that they would have a name amongst uh, the prophets of the Lord, and that there would be woe to them that valued such things over the discipleship of Jesus Christ as a good name amongst the heathen, uh, to be well-fed and uh, to laugh and to be rich. And he goes on to Uh, Speak to them of the necessity of love, that seeking the good, even of your enemy, because that is what our Father in Heaven has done to sinners. And we saw that the good here, the love here, is not that affection and liking of others, but it is that intentional uh, desire to do good to those despite what others think despite how it is received, just as Moses did good to Israel and besought mercy on their behalf, even when they grumbled against him and would have stoned him and Aaron and others, just as God himself. So loved the world that hated him, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he goes forward uh, to speak about uh, then that how we uh, uh, can shield ourselves and how we ought to behave in this midst of false teachers, in the self righteous uh, sort of view of holiness and religion that was common amongst the Pharisees, how we ought to live humbly. That if we are to love one another, we cannot do that with a self-righteous spirit and a spirit that thinks it knows everything when it doesn't and a a spirit that thinks it has achieved the perfect holiness of Jesus Christ when we have not. And that then leads naturally to a discernment about our own hearts and where comes that strength and that grace that we have as disciples of Jesus Christ. And he puts it in our attachment to him that we learn and the conclusion of this sermon that a superficial faith in Christ is not faith in Jesus Christ. What you do and what you say is rendered rooted in the nature of your heart. And there is a heart, I mean, after all, he says in verse 42, thou hypocrite, we have to be on guard against hypocrisy. In the Sermon on the Mount, hypocrisy figured large in the sermon. And it may have in this one as well, Uh, but certainly uh, hypocrisy amongst his disciples is something that was uh, known to be a, a danger and a possibility, because uh, Jesus brings it up constantly to his disciples, uh, we see Luke, who lives a good deal after this sermon and is writing this history, is well aware of the hypocrisy that would be found within the apostles themselves because he notes that Judas Iscariot is one of the twelve apostles who would betray Jesus Christ, and so it is behooves uh, us to make sure uh, that our hearts are right with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 43. He says, For the good tree brings not forth corrupt fruit, and neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth uh, good fruit. Uh, that is probably better translated instead of corrupt, but bad. Every tree is known by his own fruit. The thorn, men don't go to the thorn bushes to gather figs, nor they go to the bramble bush to gather the grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart will bring forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. That's the good and the bad. That what comes out of our mouth, what we do with our hands, shows, in a manner of speaking, what is in our heart. You'll say, well, people can say, Lord, Lord, as we shall see in verse 46 and not truly mean the Lord. But Jesus will answer that, that there is, uh, there is a, hypocr- a hypocritical speech that comes out of a hypocritical heart. Uh, but we need to understand that all that, is, that we put forth in the world is revealing what is inside us. And so to discover your heart you must look at its fruits to discover what is the root of your heart, the nature of the tree that, is, uh, that you claim to be, the nature of the branch that is attached to the vine of Jesus Christ. You look at the fruit that it is producing. And thus we can discern who to give an ear to. That's one of the concerns earlier on. In verse 39, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but will only reach his master's level. In other words, if you are choosing to be instructed by bad teachers, the Pharisees, the self righteous, he doesn't name them particularly, at least as far as Luke records. But he does give the, the danger there those that will judge, judgmentally, with beams in their own eye, seeking to help those that have little be the instructions in their own eye. Uh, the foolishness of that is clear, and yet the danger is real. How was a godly man or a godly woman in the first century in Galilee to judge these things? How was, say, Nathaniel is that, that uh, Philip goes and brings to the Lord Jesus Christ the, the Israelite in whom there is no guile, how were these guileless Israelites to judge this new teaching that had come into the world? How were they to know whether Jesus was a charlatan or not? And how were they to know whether the anger of the Pharisees was justified or not? Was it a holy indignation? A righteous anger? Uh, uh, were they... Uh, showing forth the fruits of the Lord. And Jesus says, you judge them by their fruits. In John chapter 7, verses 16 uh, through 18, Jesus answered them. Uh, they were questioning him how, How? The, the question is put, how does this man have letters having never learned, uh, having never been educated in the rabbinical schools, in other words, how does he have the authority to speak the words of God that he's speaking. And Jesus answered them, verse 16, My doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God and whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh the glory that sent him, that is, of God above, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. It may sound a bit circular what Jesus is saying, but... It's certainly the case. These were people that are instructed in the word of God. Uh, He will even go on to say uh, the Pharisees sit in Moses's seat. Therefore, you have to hear them. They were teaching Moses. And so therefore, there is a connection with what God requires. And if you are seeking to follow God and are doing what God requires, then when you heard Jesus Christ, you were you recognize the voice of God. The sheep hear my voice and they follow me. John 10 that the fruit of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the words of Jesus Christ, the fruit of the word of God, how do we know that this is scripture and not the Quran or, or of other documents uh, that might pop up here and there and claim to have some importance? Well, this has been the bedrock of the church's understanding of the Lord and it is coherent and gives glory not to the writers of the individual books, not to the nation to which it was addressed, it's alone in national literature in this way, as it condemns the people, but does so in a way to draw them unto God and show forth his glory, that we can discern who to give an ear to because we see the fruit. And by seeing the fruit of what is spoken, we can judge the heart of the matter or the root of the matter, to use Jesus' picture of the trees. And it's important that we do this because the fruit is not only how you and I can judge things and evaluate things, but it is how you and I will be judged and will be evaluated. Look in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus uses the same imagery here. uh, Jesus is is very economical. Jesus has a good phrase and he will use it uh, as often as. As need be. And he has a good illustration, and he's going to milk it for all it's worth. It's his illustration anyway. But we will see this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. He says, Either make the tree good, and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruits. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. And So far, this is just what we have in Luke. But he goes on to say, I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words. Shalt thou be condemned? That should give us Paul's, by the way, that, that the words that come out of our mouth will someday be brought up in judgment. And that is, he's speaking from the less to the greater as well, uh, meaning the words are going to come into judgment, how much more than the actions will be used in the day of judgment. That these things are not throwaway as we often pretend that they are. And it is by that then that we learn that we need a new heart. Jesus in the Matthew passage in Matthew twelve thirty three begins... Make the tree good and it shall be good. That there needs to be a newness of the tree. That this, you know, the images can only go so far. We can't uh, we can't make a tree good. It is either good or it is bad. But there is one who can. And that is at the heart of the gospel and our necessity before the Lord. In John chapter three, Nicodemus coming to Jesus, asking how we might Uh, enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus answers and says unto him in John 3, 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto them, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And we get the impression from that statement that that he is being coy with Jesus. Uh, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said to thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That so there needs to be a spiritual renewal. That there needs to be a change in the heart Because otherwise, when Jesus says every idle word that man shall speak, by that he shall be judged, will be the death of not just the wicked sinners that reject Jesus Christ, but would be the the death of us all. But the gospel is that Christ changes the heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Verses 9 through 11, Paul writes, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolatrous, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But he's not giving them a word of of doom. He's giving them a word of grace. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That our sins do not have the last word when it comes to Jesus Christ. That our words do not have the last word when it comes to Jesus Christ. That there needs to be a new heart a new root, a root that is grounded in Jesus Christ. And therefore, one of the fruits of the good tree will be humility and repentance. Because if the tree is not producing humility and repentance, then there is no no recognition that it needs salvation. There is no recognition that... Uh, Its words will be used against it. There is no recognition that we are in danger of judgment. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thy own eye, verse 42, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. It's not that we're not concerned with the good of our neighbor but that we're concerned with the good of our neighbor as fellow sinners, as people that are in like need of love and grace. And until we love in that spirit, our love will be condescending and arrogant and self-righteous and judgmental. So the question is, are you bearing fruit that comes from Christ? Simply claiming Christ, simply identifying with Christ, uh, even though these are words that come out of the mouth, that they come out of the mouth sometimes from a hypocritical heart. Simply claiming Christ is not equivalent to saving faith. And that leads him to his closing illustration in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And the Sermon on the Mount We know this passage more fully in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. There will be many in that day that say, did we not preach in your name and cast out devils in your name? And I will say unto you, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But he doesn't have to say that every time he speaks of the warning. He says it right here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You, you claim to take me seriously, but you don't believe me to actually act upon the words that you so call, that you say you believe. If you believed an economist that tells you that by Wednesday, all of your money in a particular bank is, is going to vanish away, the bank is going to fall. You're going to spend Monday and Tuesday trying to get your money out of that bank if you believe him. If you don't believe him, you're going to leave it there. That's how faith works. If you believe something, really believe it, you will act upon it. If you say you believe the Lord God in Jesus Christ, and he says, love your neighbor, love even your enemy. And... Th- and if you don't, there will be no mercy showed you. He who shows no mercy will receive no mercy. If you do not forgive your brother, neither will your sins be forgiven you. If that, if you're hearing Jesus say those things, and you don't go forgive, and you don't go love, then what you're really saying to the world is, I don't believe Jesus Christ. I don't take him seriously. He's convenient for me in such and such situation. He's convenient to make my guilty heart a little at ease when I go to bed at night. I know I got to get my, uh, I know I have to fix my tires, but you know I could put them off a little longer because I don't really believe that they're going to give out from underneath me. I kind of did that this week, by the way, but the Lord was merciful. If you believe that there's a danger, you're going to fix it. You're going to cling to what needs to be fixed. If Jesus is telling you, you need to love, you're going to love if you believe him. Otherwise, it's eh. like the parable of the two sons. The one son said, yes, I'll go do that for you, father, and didn't. And one son said, I'm not going to do that, but thought better of it and went and did it. And Jesus asked the Pharisees, which one is the obedient son? Which one is the blessed son? It's the one who does, not the one who says he does. So simply claiming Christ is not equivalent to saving faith. There is a distinction. There is a difference. We don't say that the profession of faith is faith. We hope that it is grounded in the Uh, The genuineness of the heart, but we don't know that of others because we can't see the heart, but we can see the fruit of the heart. The problem with sin is, as Jeremiah tells us in 17, 9 and 10, that the heart is deceitful above all things. We can't always know it about our own hearts. Whether we're clinging to Jesus Christ just as a salve to a guilty conscience or whether we are clinging to Jesus Christ to be cleansed in our conscience which are different things, similar, but different things. And the way Jesus says to make sure is to build upon that rock, to listen and do. We're not saved by works, but the good works that come out of our faith justifies our faith. In other words, it proves our faith is right faith. That's what James is talking about when saying we're not justified by, works, uh, by faith only, but also by works. Because he's not talking about our justification being made righteous before the Lord. He actually begins the discussion, how do you know that you have faith? How do you justify that faith that you have? How do you make sure that that faith that you have is right faith? Well, you look at the fruits of it. But that's what he's talking about. And this is what Jesus says that you have to be built on a foundation. And that foundation is the rock, which is Christ Jesus Himself. That He gives strength because it's not us, it's that life that comes through Him. And the well built house that withstands the torrents of the river is one that takes His words seriously, that takes His will seriously. That here's the earlier part of the sermon in verse 35. Love your enemies and do good. Lend and hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be children of the highest. For he is kind also to the unthankful and to the evil. And be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. It takes these words seriously and lives. them. James, again, this time in chapter 1, verse 23 and 27 through 27, he says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goes away and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. Like the, he goes and he hears the word of God, he listens and goes away and forgets the word of God. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, not he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any of man among you seem to be religious, because he's going to give a practical test here, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father, is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And we see a reflection of what Jesus himself is teaching in this passage, that love and doing good even to those that are not capable of doing you good in return, not just to them, but to them. We also learn in this illustration, though, that, that trials will come to prove the disciple. And it's not just that they need to be built upon the rock, uh, to prove their uh, to, to to prove their art, but at the day of judgment, but that even in this life we can predict those who will fall away and those who will stand firm. The superficial faith will crumble. They are built upon the sand. They're not really connected to Jesus Christ. They're Lord, Lord in word. They go forth. They don't remember what is heard. They live a life that is just like his heathen neighbor. They do not repent. They do not sorrow for sin. They do not love as they have been loved. They do not seek good as they have hoped to receive good from the Lord. They do not forgive as they have been claimed that they are forgiven. Their life is unaffected by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes inconvenient. Because their name is thrown out as evil. When all men start to hate them and say awful things about them, and insult them, and put, perhaps, economic barriers to serving Jesus Christ. They'll reevaluate their faith. They'll depart from us, as John says in John chapter 2, because they were never part of us. Jesus spends his... A lot, a great deal of the introductory to the book of Revelation, speaking to the seven churches and telling them he who endures to the end will be saved, not as the way of salvation, but knowing that these churches are mixed and they have problems within their own ranks, that there are unbelievers within them, that they are disobedient to the point of being cast off. But to those that were faithful to the Lord, it wasn't hopeless that they would endure. And they would endure in their obedience. Super faith, official faith will crumble. But trials will prove and justify the disciple, not justify him again before God, but prove that he's genuine, but also improve the disciple. Turn to John 15. John fifteen one through eight. I am the true vine, and this is a different but similar image. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. They're not really built upon the rock, they are built upon the sand. And every branch that does bear fruit, he purges it and prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean to the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same shall bring forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burnt. If ye abide in me and my word abides in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so ye shall be my disciples. Note in that illustration, it's not just that the house stands firm upon the rock, but that the house is improved, that it bears more fruit than it did, that it becomes a mighty house glorifying God and all the fruit that it brings forth. And it does this in many different ways. One of them is increasing our insurance before the Lord improves our prayers that we can be confident. We've stood this test. We have stood upon Christ. And when we pray, we know that he hears us and he will answer us when Christ is warning us at the end about the fruit that we bear, he's not, he's not making us fearful. He's giving us ways, practical ways, that we can grow in our discipleship, grow in our study of Christ, things that we need to be looking for in our lives, things we need to be careful to avoid in our lives. And so the question's for you this morning is what is your fruit like? What do your words reveal about you? Not just when you're on your P's and Q's and know to be polite and it's good for you to be polite, but when people are aggravating you and are getting on your last nerves, how what does your reaction, what does your response say about you? This is for you know, Paul says, judge yourselves lest ye be judged. It's always better to beat God to the judgment. In condemnation of yourself. If you can find a flaw, the Lord already knows it exists. But if you can find a flaw and deal with it before He's going to deal with it with you, that's a better thing. And so, what do these things say about you? What about your use of your time? Your priorities and your scheduling. You know, this is the time that you come before the presence of God with God's people. It's on the first day of the week. It's not the very first thing in the morning. It's late in the morning. But nevertheless, it ought to be a priority. And it says something to the world, whether you're willing to admit it or not, it says something to the world about what priority you give this time together. What about your finances? How do you spend your money? I don't care how you... You know, It's not about giving. It's about how you spend your money in the world. Do they reflect a heart that is holy, righteous, and just? What about the entertainment that you seek? Good. Would you be willing to invite the, uh, your friends and elders and deacons over uh, to, to enjoy the same entertainment that you enjoy? I hope so. I mean, they might be bored stiff. It, you, you might not do it because it's not something that they would be all that a fond of, but it shouldn't be something that they disapprove of. Of course, they're not the judge. The judge is Christ. So, if you if you have foibles that you know that your elders or deacons or even your pastor would kind of wink at because he kind of has those same foibles, well, go higher to Jesus Christ, right? Evaluate your what is your fruit like, and then. Remember that this speaks to the treasure store of your heart. So, is your heart a treasure store? Is, does it have things within it that you can bring forth to bless others? That's what Jesus is speaking. He's, he's looking for, he's seeking to create by his grace a people that bless the nations. This goes back to the Abrahamic uh, covenant I will make you a blessing to the nations. The church is the fulfillment of that. When she is a blessing to the nations, how does she bless the nations? By showing the same mercy that the Father has shown them. By being children of the highest, who is good and kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Who make way for Jesus Christ. And do they see the world around you? And they see that you're taking Christ seriously. When you say, Lord, Lord, is it just words that are a vanity and a vanity and will pass away? And Jesus himself, the Lord that you address, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Or is it a Lord, Lord, I'm trusting you, and I'm seeking to do what you say. I'm seeking to be faithful in this world. Do they see that in you? A large part of the treasure house of the church is not so much the good the church can do to the world, but that the world sees that there is a place in the world that is connected with God, that is connected with the Lord that the Lord is Emmanuel in the midst of his people. But the world won't see that if you're not putting his word into practice, if you're not bearing the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning in the name of Christ. And we know, dear Lord, that we fall far short of the holiness to which you call us. And that oftentimes, times. Every time we bear fruit. It is tainted with hearts. That still cling to that aspect of the world. But we know dear Lord. That your grace is sufficient. We know that your grace is real. We know that the holiness you call us to. Is given also by your Holy Spirit. And so we ask this morning, that you would confirm that grace in our hearts, that we would indeed take seriously your will and your words to us in Christ Jesus, and that we would live in that same love to which you called us, that we would live mercifully as you are merciful to us, and that we might show forth the glory of Jesus Christ to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.